0: Episode 157. Welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Hey everybody, I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, international talent agent, Uh, you know, the Dharmic Evolution community page, another 10 members last week, really digging how you people are piling in here and uh, supporting this uh, effort around the world. And we also hit 69 countries um i can't even remember what the new country was it's like some small island i'm trying to remember where it is but uh you know it's just astonishing that um you know we're knocking on the door of there's supposed to be 75 countries in the world that that are english speaking considered english-speaking countries by google so we're like six chips away from hitting that that'd be really cool um, but anyway, um, if you know somebody who's a serious killer, singer, songwriter, musical artist, let them know about us. Let them know about this platform and our ability to broadcast either you or their global career. You can easily sign up on the Dharmakevolution.com website, go to the guest tab at the top, Scroll down. Everything is there for you to apply. Well, today we're in Nashville, Tennessee, with one of the hardest working singer-songwriters in the music business today. She's originally from Detroit, Michigan, but packed it all up and headed to Nashville at 17 years old with a dream and a determination to be Envy. She has released two albums, two EPs in the country genre, toured with Jason Aldean, Trace Atkins, Winona, and many other superstars. But right now, she's about to release a brand new full-length original album Produced by Jim Moose Brown, he's a member of the Bob Seger's Silver Bullet Band. Here she is, it's Rachel Ray Williams. You better strap up your seatbelts and let's go for a ride. Today, just so happy to be in Nashville via Skype with Ray Williams. Oh my goodness, this took a while, (laughs) but you know I'm persistent. Ray, we got you on the show finally.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for your persistence. I appreciate it. Yeah, a very
0: busy lady, man. You've got so much going on in your life all the time. And uh, since I've known you, it's probably about four years now. I think that we first got connected through our mutual uh, friend and producer Kim Copeland and. um, um, you you seem to have just ramped it up. And I didn't know that you were originally from Detroit. So, you know, you've got you've got the country in you. You've got uh, a lot of soul in you. You're yes. very, very eclectic. So um, thank you. Yeah. So tell us how it, it came that you went full circle and you ended up back home in Detroit and, you know, connecting with that, you know, Motown, Soul Town, just awesome sound that you've got going on. And, uh, you know, just take us on the journey. Like, why don't we start from like, how did you, first of all, how did you leave there and get to Nashville? How did that all <laughs> you know, we should start at the beginning, I guess. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I was, um, pretty fearless and, uh, wanted to do music from the time I was born. Basically, I was growing up in Michigan opening for a bunch of country people. And um, I probably around seventh or eighth grade is when the family started to realize that I could actually sing with more than, you know, just the Dixie Chicks uh, with along with the radio. And uh, we started doing like a lot of competitions. And Uh, there's like these things called like the Colgate Country Showdown and just anywhere and everywhere. My parents were driving me to Pennsylvania, Ohio, all over the state of Michigan. And um, so radio people thought that that was amazing and adorable. And the fact that I could actually sing and I was young, Um, I was doing like church revivals. And uh, so around 17 is when I got a call to audition for a show called Nashville Star. And uh, that was on the USA Network, and um, Miranda Lambert had placed in the top three the year before. So I was a part of the second season, and I was a hostess at the Cracker Barrel.
0: Oh, nice! And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my
1: only, my only, like, real job in high school, right? And, um, so I started going down there and missing school to like film the show. And when I came back and I graduated, I had already met uh, Kim Copeland just kind of through mutual people while I was going down there to film the show and um, just, you know, the right people, the right time. And they just said, Hey man, if you're, you're ready to move down to Nashville after you graduate, like, we've got stuff for you to do, you know, (laughs) like you won't just be like roaming the streets aimlessly over here. Right. So uh, yeah, man, I had like a 97 Ford Escort that uh, barely ran and I packed (laughs) that baby uh, down with as much Winona and Little Mermaid memorabilia and clothes, and that was it. And uh, I'm so so glad that I didn't know any better because I probably you know would have never made it. Yeah. <laughs> honestly,
2: so
1: <laughs> I'm glad I was just you know a fearless 17 year old and had a bunch of like stage experience and and had a pretty impressive resume. Thank the Lord, but definitely coming to Nashville is a whole nother. A whole nother world. Yeah, and um, you know, so we just started working on on uh, writing songs. I'd never really i'd I'd written songs in Detroit, but uh, I'd never been put into a writing room with strangers and then just expected to like you know tell your story and and write a song. Yeah, how was uh, that so-
0: first experience? The first time you did that, how was that? Like, what? How Super- did you come away with you know what what like really hit you and said, wow, this is what was it?
1: You know, it was very strange, especially because I was I was kind of thrown into writing with like hit you know hit song established songwriters already. So here I am at like seventeen and eighteen, just thinking, what am I doing? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I'm sitting in a room with the guy who wrote No One Else on Earth, you know, for Winona, and I grew up my whole life idolizing this woman, and and to put that into perspective, you're just like, this is this is insane, you know? And
2: yeah.
1: um, I think definitely once we started like demoing the songs that we were writing, that's kind of when you started to realize that, you know, production is a lot of it and also just your delivery and stuff. So I think I started to kind of just build my confidence once I found out how good the finished products were sounding. I'm yeah. like, wait, I did write that. Like, that's awesome.
2: Right. Right. So
1: it was a, uh, you know, I'm songwriting is definitely such a release for me. And, and, um, I've always considered myself a writer above all else. I'm just very, very fortunate that, um, I can sing too.
0: (laughs) Right. Yes, you can. Yes, I can attest to that. (laughs) But,
1: uh, yeah, I just, I was always a writer like poems and stories and, and then songs. And, um, so to have an outlet for that has been great and just kind of the evolution of all of that here in Nashville. Um, writing and meeting so many different people and it just kind of being a melting pot and and crossing over genres and stuff i think that that's kind of like a natural progression on how everything looped back around to the motown detroit stuff because um i'd done country music i'd done pop country i mean i was writing anything bluegrass i was singing demos like i'm a very busy demo singer too so songwriters from like all over the world will send us their songs and Um, you know, I'm, I'm Euro pop one day and I'm, you know, super Pentecostal revival, Rachel next. Uh, so it was so fun to be a chameleon and being a chameleon on the mic definitely translates into writing songs too. And, um, the way that the Detroit stuff happened really was, uh, again just kind of going after the major labels and and writing with a lot of the big writers and and -and up-and-coming artists here in nashville and kind of just trying to compete uh in the herd there right uh i had a big compilation cd and i was just kind of feeling like very much in a rut and some of the contracts i were in was in were coming to an end and um I made a big compilation CD for my family because I was about to drive back to Detroit and visit them for a long weekend. And it was probably like 25 songs on there. And uh, there was a song that I had written with a guy from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and um, it was about the Nashville flood. And so it was very like church organy, you know, soulful. Yeah. And when we did the vocal, I... I kind of went with it, but I kind of also held back a little bit, but I definitely was like trying to give it, you know, that, that gospel flair. Right. Um, but only to a certain extent. And, uh, my family out of this whole compilation, everybody said, what's going on with song number five? Like you sing like a black girl. Like, why aren't you doing more stuff like this? (laughs) Oh, okay. Like I didn't, okay, sweet. Like, yeah, let's, let's go with it. So,
2: um,
1: Kind of from there on out, it was like everything that I wanted to write and everything that I wanted to sing, I wanted it to be, you know, more true to that part of me that I feel like I kind of had suppressed right. for a while trying right. to do the country music stuff. So hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's funny that you said that about um, about you know is that some you know large woman who's like a Baptist, you know, uh, African American woman, you know, she's like two or three hundred pounds or something. <laughs> and you know, when you did the, the the work for us on the on the Mercy Project, I am victorious. A lot of people said that. I said, no, she's a little she's a little pipsqueak. She's probably a size she's probably a size zero or size one. So let's take a listen to what Rachel's all about.
3: I had to face You and I would never make it For as hard as we tried, we couldn't save it Couldn't bring it back to life All the breakups and makeups were way too complicated So I did
0: us the story on that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, the unfiltered story is, um, I showed up to a co-write pretty hungover and, uh, was writing about my ex-boyfriend who was basically, uh, giving me all kinds of, of trouble. (laughs) And, um, The line just kind of spilled out we were just sitting it was actually a husband and wife uh, kind of duo um, and she plays piano and he plays electric guitar and we were just sitting there in the music room and I said I just don't know what to do you know like something ends and what do you do with everything that's left you know and there's so many emotions and you know the breakup is done it's final but you know you still feel all these things and So we just kind of went from there with it. And it was so cool because it was such a simplistic, like just an electric guitar through an amp work tape. And I brought it to um, the producer that I worked with on this record, which is Jim Moose Brown. And um, I just said, you know, this was kind of like the song that I based everything else around um, when thinking about songs for the record and, um, I said, I just know that this one has the potential to, to be really cool and to be really throwback in, in the way like that the early Motown stuff was, you know, it, it wasn't blues, it wasn't whatever. I really wanted to stay in that, um, you know, early Marvin Gaye kind of frame and, right. um, funny enough when we tracked that song, um. I went into the session pretty blind. I was working with a brand new producer, like I said, Jim Moose Brown, who had like hit songs with Alan Jackson, and he was the band leader for Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, like all these things that made me incredibly nervous uh, because you know it was really impressive.
2: Yeah, it's royalty, and, uh, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, he he was the one who got the band together. And I remember walking into the first day of tracking in a brand new studio, and not recognizing a single musician there. And it was just like all these old white guys. And yeah. I'm like, what in the heck? Like, you know, we're we're doing like a soul Motown record. Like, what? And they <laughs> come to find out, like, half these guys like played in Muscle Shoals and played with Stack Records in Memphis. And so you're just like, oh, okay. And the, all this love was the very first song we tracked, and it was a one take. Like that was really, it. Wow. and I just remember like crying in the vocal booth because I felt like I didn't give them that much direction for them to nail it. Like yeah. so soundly yeah. <laughs> the first one. So it was super cool. And I mean, that was, I think that was kind of like my omen from God that like, this is definitely a project worth pursuing and this is the style and just. Everything. These are the people. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And so I'm I'm very nostalgic over uh, the song All This Love. Yeah, but don't you
0: feel as though, don't you feel, Rachel, that you... um, when you don't give a lot of direction, that's a testament to a great song. The song is so well written because, um, you know, you've worked with uh, people who are so skilled and so talented and they have like these libraries that that they walk around with that they've ingested and, and worked on for decades, you know? And it's just like, you know, they just get it. I always say that, um, you know, if you write a good song, when you get with great players, the song goes from good to great just because they bring their encyclopedias, their talents, their wisdom, and they just embrace what, what you put in their hands, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, there's well, we, very little has to be said, you know, just like, I get it, man, we're going with this, you know? Yep. Yeah. Well, and that,
1: that was the thing, you know, that kind of made me go outside of my comfort zone in terms of working with a new producer, working with new newer musicians was the whole time i knew that this was supposed to be a motown record i i didn't know how it was going to be a motown record because i felt like you know i'm just this white polish girl like that's been (laughs) singing country music you know for the last decade in nashville and um so like how convincing is that going to be you know are we really going to be able to pull it off right and um the whole time we were in there, those musicians were just so thrilled to not be told really what to do and not to say, well, you know, uh, you know, change the drum pattern on that or whatever. Oh, that's too far left of center. We need to bring it back and make it more Nashville friendly or whatever. And yeah, uh, Lucy even said so many times throughout the tracking process, like, all right, you know, like how how far to the left are we going or are we going to kind of like straddle that? Well, you know, it's soul, but it's also country-ish. And I just said, you know, it's kind of like that saying, when you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got.
2: Right. (laughs) I
1: know what I got with country, you know, and I love country music, but like, let's go full steam ahead. Yeah. Just be brave. Just do it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think I always say I th- I always say to Kim the song knows everything you know and it's like um I you know I just try to be a good um I guess I try to be a good student you know it's like so when you know when we track something it's like all right, even though I came down here and we wrote it and I didn't give you much, I just gave you an acoustic guitar and a melody. Now I have to go back and learn the song because right, it's trans exactly. it's transformed into something else. So to honor it, you know, I need to go back and, and work on it, you know. Speaking of honoring it, let's listen to I'm only here because I'm lonely. Yeah, check this one out.
3: It's a boy life I realized that love may made-
0: because I'm lonely. Love that one. Love that one. So let's talk, before we talk about the song, let's talk about your, your handle as Ray Williams. You, you, you've got a couple albums out as Rachel Williams and the Motown thing swung you over to the Ray Williams before I forget to mention congratulations on your engagement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I know. It's so weird. I like, I don't own any jewelry. And so when he gave it to me, I said, are you sure? Like, I am I feel like I'm going to lose it or
2: something.
1: <laughs> no, you don't own you any much. jewelry? I, I'm not a very good, like, female in that regard. Wow. I don't. I love like big hair and I love sequence, but in terms of jewelry and shoes, I'm like very embarrassingly lacking in this.
0: (laughs) You're the first uh, (laughs) girl I've ever had on that says, I don't have any jewelry. I've never heard that before.
1: (laughs) So when he went to the jeweler, he actually said, hey, I looked around and she literally has like no rings, like nothing for me to gauge what her ring size is. And I had, I was actually in Nashville. So he proposed the night that I came back to Detroit. And um, so it was funny because he told the jeweler, well, she's Polish. So I think that just means that she has fat fingers, which is totally inaccurate. So when he proposed and put the ring on my finger, it fell right off of my finger. Like it was way too big. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's funny that. We segue that topic after playing. I'm only here because I'm lonely because I always like to call that like my hot mess single girl song, right? Um,
2: <laughs> and definitely
1: like the the story of of so many single girls, especially single girls in Nashville. So um, I'm very very grateful that uh, I'm getting a a happier ending now <laughs> yeah that's that's
0: awesome i'm very happy for you are Thank there a lot you. of single girls in, in nashville really <laughs> I, I, I,
1: I, let me tell you we we like had like a whole a whole gang a whole gaggle of girls where we just like exchanged horror dating stories like you know morning noon and night it right. was the dating game here is is pretty intense and i'm i'm so so relieved to be out of it for sure
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I i hear your pain i hear your pain because i'm probably still in the hot mess and it's for myself <laughs> but you know what well, i have no excuse to not create good music so uh, you know i just immerse exactly. my energies in other endeavors you know that's the way you exactly. have to do it yeah
1: <laughs> i know i we're everybody's kind of sitting back in in very um curious to see if this means that i start writing love songs now because um my repertoire uh for the last decade has definitely just been nothing but breakup songs right literally nothing but breakup songs so yeah um you know i feel i feel inspired i feel good and i definitely feel like i have um Enough experience dating every douchebag in Middle Tennessee that I'll still have plenty to draw from for like sad songs or angry <laughs> songs still too. So Yeah. You know, I'll just have to preface it with uh, you know, this is not about my fiance. Right. Now right. you know.
0: <laughs> that's that's awesome. Sometimes you just need to start singing in church. Sometimes you need to leave home to figure it all out. Then you come back and wow, Motown has a whole new feel to it now. Maybe the town was just not ready for Rachel yet, but look out, here comes Ray Williams. Right back to the interview with Rachel after this word. Are you a singer, songwriter, artist, or author? Are you in need of a platform for your career? Well, the James O'Connor Agency is in the business of helping you broadcast your global career, if you are needing to expand your presence in a big way, such as having your music and your voice heard around the world, well, look no further. We have the platforms here to help you catapult your career like no one else can. Your artistry can be featured around the world on the James O'Connor Agency YouTube channel. Here at the James O'Connor Agency, we can expand your global career by being a featured guest on Dharmic Evolution for singer-songwriters and everyone in the entertainment industry. Or the James O'Connor Show, designed for authors, speakers, and thought leaders. Both shows are international radio TV shows and podcasts. Go to the jamesoconnoragency.com and find out what we can do for your global career right now. Hey, tell me what's the um, like as your as this new project's going to come out. Um, you're going to come out single by single. I think you're going to be releasing one single at a time, which I think is a really really good strategy um you know because it keeps like if you're doing an album it keeps it alive longer in the minds of people and you know you can take your time with the next record um so are you you think you're going to be doing any kind of live events touring um and i know you're playing at the bluebird coming up this week also right yeah so let's plug that what's going on with that
1: yeah we're playing, uh, I'm playing the Bluebird Cafe here in Nashville, Tennessee on Saturday, um, okay. October 28th, and and that show sold out in five minutes, and uh, so
0: wow.
1: pretty excited, yeah. pretty excited that the man is flying in from Detroit to uh, be at the show, so I threw in one good love song just, you know, for good measure for him, uh-huh. but um, yeah, we're definitely going to be touring a lot next year, um, I've been a part of a really amazing movement in detroit where it's kind of like um the new faces of motown and i've been very very privileged to to be a part of that and uh we've been working on a documentary with a soundtrack that's going to follow so all of those things are going to coincide with my new record too so there'll be a documentary a soundtrack plus my single by single record and um so we're actually going to all be touring together starting in february of next year so wow i'm um, uh I'm really excited to get back on the road and, um, I definitely feel, I feel like I'm the best version of myself when I'm constantly moving. So, uh, I'm excited to get back to it. (laughs)
0: And, And you've got a lot of content too. all of that. You know, tell us about the, um, about that project of, of putting the, um, putting the focus back on Motown and back on Detroit. Tell us what, what's that all about?
1: Um, well, so the project was basically supposed to be about the fall and rise of Motown records. Okay. Um, a little bit of the history. I mean, clearly we all know Motown was um, originated in Detroit and um, in the, like, the late seventies is when Barry Gordy moved it to LA. Right. And um, you know, Motown never really quite was able to capture that magic again. And Barry Gordy eventually ended up selling it. Um, about a decade later and so now ever since then almost for like 20 years now Motown's kind of been in this weird fluctuating state of um, being kind of umbrellaed under other major labels and not really being given like the attention and being a standalone label anymore and um, a few years ago they got out from under that umbrella and um, so they're not just a sub-label anymore they were you know coming back and just basically trying to say, hey, you know, we're not, you know, we're not the Supremes. We're not the Temptations anymore. However, right. we still have like viable new forces that that we're working with. And so um, it's been really, really amazing. I was actually out on the road um, doing some stuff on tour as a background singer. And I got called to um, sing backgrounds on a demo that was being recorded in Detroit and little did I know it was actually for a Motown um, artist and from out in LA and basically everybody at A&R just really really loved my voice and like loved my ad libby you know runs and stuff that I was doing at the end of it right and that kind of was the stepping stone that brought me to the table and thank god I already had this record like I had literally just finished the record and it wasn't even done we weren't even done mixing it or anything yet yeah and before I knew it I was like going out to LA and and talking to these you know fine folks over um at Motown and um so yeah so then all of a sudden it kind of like spurred into this this documentary where they wanted to film people that are currently working with motown even if they're not located in detroit they might be in chicago la wherever Um, but we were going into detroit and we were recording at like some of motown records landmark um you know places and studios and and churches and and all that and a lot of it you know um is closed (laughs) you know like but it it was still so cool to film and to like record songs live there and that's kind of what the whole documentary is is just kind of the uprise of Detroit again and and I'm so I'm so 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 proud to even be like the smallest part of a movement that can shine a good light on Detroit because it really does deserve it and Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is my home. So yeah, right. uh, to come full circle and to be a representative and be a good, you know, like something positive, you know, it's not like a, some kind of scandal and it's not, um, you know, offensive music by any means. Yeah. It's like I just I want to pay homage to that incredible Motown era. And I the fact that I get to work out of Detroit as well is right. Yeah. basically a dream come true for me
0: <laughs> so tell me about church because all of the strong kick-ass singers all come here you know you're like a Whitney Whitney, Whitney <laughs> was in Newark New Jersey singing her heart out and you you know you you were did you start singing in church at an early age like like I did. For a little yeah. girl yeah
1: I um, I was until about age nine I was raised uh Catholic
0: right so okay. um
1: because everybody was Polish and so we were my grandparents and everybody were, were Roman Catholic, uh, you know, communion, confirmation, catechism, the whole thing. Right. And, um, then around age 10, my mom m- didn't make us go anymore. <laughs> <sighs> and, uh, so I started going with my dad's mom, my grandma, who actually just turned 90 years old last month. Wow,
0: God and it's like,
1: yeah, my queen of all. Yeah. But, um, uh, So yeah, my grandfather had passed away when I was really young. And so she would go to church every Sunday by herself. And kind of around age 10 was when I realized I really wanted to uh, go to church with her. I felt sad that she was going to church by herself. And um, so it was a Pentecostal church in my hometown. And, um, you know, people say Pentecostal, and you, you you have that image in your head. And it wasn't quite like that. It was just a bunch of old ladies and old men who um, would were singing super loud and and some of them were speaking in tongues and uh, some of them were, you know, feeling the spirit and collapsing on the floor. Right. But, um, you know, it wasn't like a strict, it it was, it was actually like a very liberating um, experience for me, I felt. And so we always had gospel singer groups come in and, um, you know, just these older, you know, Caucasian, you know, Southern gospel groups, and they'd sell their CDs in the lobbies of the church and all that. And I just thought, hey, I know how to sing; like, I want to do that. And so one day, I just I got really, really gutsy, and I was probably ten or eleven, and I just went up to the lead singer after church one day and I said, I want to sing. And he said, Well, what do you want to sing? And I said, Well, I don't know. I I mean, I know a couple songs. And he goes, Well, do you have tracks? Because at the time, a lot of people were playing with tracks. And uh, I said, No and he goes, "What are you going to sing?" and I said, "Just let me sing at the next revival and and I'll figure it out." And so I just got up there at like 11 years old and and sang amazing grace and how great thou art a cappella. Wow. And I remember the the church the church piano lady came up and and you know, was helping me out on the second song or whatever and and that kind of like started this whole thing where I kind of was like this southern revival darling yeah. for a little while and right. um Then, you know, once I kind of got to be, like, 14, 15, I I started doing, like, a ton of fairs and, like I said, contests and opening for all the country people coming into town. But I would still go back and sing at my grandma's church. And um, I definitely 1,000% credit uh, church with the fact that I just, you know, grew some balls and, like, actually went up
0: and it's the cojona factor. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's For awesome sure. that you did that. I mean, that's you know, I was like too terrified. I grew up the same with you, Roman Catholic, and now I go to a Baptist church now actually because it's like, what well, these people know how to sing, man. I got to, oh, yeah. I Absolutely. learned something here. I mean, some of the people, uh, I mean, I just can't believe that the level of talent that comes in off the street and. You know, you'd never know these people have this level of skill, but they're really, really incredible. I think it's time to play Once. Here we go with Rachel Williams. Check this out. Once I
3: was the queen of second chances Forgive and forget
0: and happy belated birthday to you, Rachel. (laughs) Thank you so
1: much. (laughs) And what was the date, the 22nd? Yeah, yeah. my birthday was September 22nd. And um, uh, I was in Nashville. I had like a birthday party for myself uh, here with my Nashville girlfriends um, on Wednesday the 20th. And then Thursday, I drove back to Detroit and I drove straight to a band rehearsal because I was gigging all the weekend of my birthday. So I kind of already knew I wasn't going to be able to like celebrate celebrate my birthday until right. uh, later Sunday because I was gigging Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon. And um, so, yeah, I went straight, drove 600 miles straight to a band rehearsal. That was like four hours and um, came back to my house. Uh, the power was out. So it was super hot and gross in there. And thankfully, it came back on. And my birthday was at midnight, and at twelve oh one was when I got proposed to. So my birthday ended up being pretty,
0: pretty dope, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) talk about stacking the cool all into one day. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) It's
1: a whole lot of life. It's a whole lot of life. So kind of like what we were talking about with Nashville. Like when I had, um, it's expanded and and gotten so crazy here and. You know, um, for my birthday dinner, my girlfriends and everybody are all, um, you know, they're all suggesting, like, the new cool spot in Nashville. And, oh, this one has a great rooftop. And I'm like, you know what? I am old school Nashville. Like, I'm going to go to the same place that, like, I always hold, like, every (laughs) big event. And it's a a place that's literally been here, like, 10 years. And it was hysterical because we were, you know, they were so shocked that I came in with, you know all my girls, all my gays, everybody. And they're like, what right. business? Yeah. party." <laughs> I was like, I know what's up. I know what's up. They're like the OG of Nashville. So yeah. I was happy to celebrate there for sure. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> well, it has been some transformation as we were talking about, like just um, incredible amounts of people moving there and the traffic and the hotels and the construction. You know, I thought I was like looking at, you know, lower Manhattan the last couple of times I came down. I said, look at this skyline. What's happened to this? this place i mean it's still yeah. a, a a crazy great place but um there's a lot to contend with with the roads and the traffic and the construction you know and the parking the parking is yeah. getting oh, crazy yeah. there's no know.
1: parking here we we uber everywhere
0: yeah uber. that's a good move uber it really, uber really is uber, yeah <laughs> that's the way to, way to go hey let's talk a little bit about social media i know you're an instagram girl uh yeah. facebook too like what's your favorite jam
1: uh you know I'm more of an Instagram person, probably. Um, right. However, you know, right now, it, it's a really interesting time for me because um, uh, with a lot of this stuff that we're releasing with the documentary and just and working with the label and everything. Uh, yesterday, I had a meeting with a social media strategist. And you're like, wait, what? Right. So <laughs> they're basically like going to take all of my stuff and just completely redo it. And. um right. So that's kind of a little bit scary, but, yeah. um, but you know, I'm going to keep all the accounts that I have currently and I'll just to use them, I guess it's like more of a personal thing. Cause I have a lot of dogs and I have really cute, uh, grandma and nephews and niece. So I like to post about them all of the time. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, but like Instagram, I feel like that's, that's kind of my jam, but we are in the midst of kind of like launching a whole new thing and I'll be very interested i'm anxious to see what this is all gonna look
0: like <laughs> yeah it's a it's a lot of studying a lot of i'm you oh, know it is. i'm up to my it ears is. in it now i've been doing it for a couple of years and i'm i'm always learning i'm always reaching out um i coach people but i also get i also have a coach i actually have two now so but um but it's important to stay up with all this you know oh
1: yeah
0: um oh, yeah. because that's where that's where our business goes you know it has to go to that you know And it's so
1: crazy to think that, like, you know, when I moved to Nashville, honestly, I mean, MySpace was like the best vehicle to get your songs out. And um, it's crazy how, you know, if you do it right, you know, it can truly be like a transformative thing for your for your career and your your message. And, um, you know, uh, so I'm definitely I'm definitely willing and, and eager to kind of learn the, the rhyme and reason about all of that. But I'm also glad that there's somebody telling me what it is because yeah, you my, need help. my yeah. attention span is that of a gnat, <laughs> I've had a whole pot of coffee, as you can see. Right, right.
0: <laughs> well, you're, you're creative. We're you know, we're like that. We're de- we're definitely like that. Um wanted to circle back and talk about your style and, um, you know, again, we were talking earlier about, um, when we weren't, you know, we were, uh, one of the songs we're playing and I, and I was talking about the, when you came in to help me on the, my gratitude album, and I've always admired the way you, you don't have, um, rules. And I, I kind of, I, I think we're kindred spirits in that way, maybe because we both went to Catholic school or whatever, <laughs> or, you know, grew up as ca- Catholics or whatever, but, uh, but I, you know, I think the freedom of being a singer, where you don't feel like you're in a box, and you can just, you know, let the song tell you where to go, and just let your spirit, you know, take you on that trail. Um, how did that um, start to connect with you to create your style? Was it a combination of everything from church and everything, or uh, wh- when do you think you had that moment where you said, you know what, I found my style. i I, I know where I'm going with this. Remember what age or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would tell you that I feel like I became an uninhibited vocalist later in life than, than younger. I think uh, younger, you know, I was singing cover songs and, I, you know, I was doing really cool concerts and, and bigger events. But you're still basically mimicking somebody else. Right. Um. And even with church, in a sense, like, I mean, you're, you're kind of putting your style, but when you're a teenager and stuff, you have no idea what your style is.
0: But we all do that like, because we, you yeah. don't have anywhere to start from, you oh, know, for like sure. you, you got to figure out who you are, you know?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, and I had my influence and I knew who I wanted to kind of like shadow in a sense. Yeah. Um, so, um. You know, and then coming to Nashville and and like I said, just writing with such a spectrum of writers and and being um, a very in demand demo singer and being able to pull out like all of these different styles. It was kind of a catch 22 because, man, you know, I I remember even like Capitol Records telling me this, like, you know, you can sing so many things, you know, like you you do it all so well, like and you have to pick one, you know, and that was kind of a hard thing because I felt like, you know, country music is, is very much embedded in my soul, but as is, you know, church music and as is, uh, Motown and and blues and stuff. So I kind of, I get influenced from so many things. So for me to finally kind of get free on the mic and, and just experiment with things without, um, hesitation or without kind of, sort of apologizing for it after the fact. Yeah. I mean, I probably didn't come into that until I was like 24, you know, right. because uh like I said when you when especially when you moved to Nashville at such a young age and I was still here when it was still an older school model, you right. know, like social media hadn't taken over the world, streaming hadn't taken over the world. And so I kind of learned the rules and the parameters and the mindset at a really young age and it was you're supposed to sing demos you're supposed to write as many songs as possible with as many people as possible you're supposed to showcase you're supposed to do writer's nights you're supposed to do all this stuff and you kind of get in that like music business music row um box
4: yeah and so then it was
1: kind of hard for me to like unleash on the mic because that's yeah. not really what we did what we were doing here, you yeah. know, like we were kind of trying to reel that in. And
0: so you had to go back so home to cut off the handcuffs.
1: Uh, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I found, a, I found a really cool circle here in Nashville, right before I went to Detroit to work on all these projects and, um, a bunch of girls and guys like around my age that are just like monster soul singers. And yeah. it was so so cool to like see okay look we are coming to this you know like like there is a scene here in nashville now that will complement this and it's not big yet right but it's it's moving and it, it is expanding and even going back to detroit and i i tell people this when i was first i you know i come to nashville every month without fail to write and sing and whatever but um I think the biggest reality check for me in in all good ways was when I went to Detroit, um, they do a lot of jams. Yeah. Like they do like a bunch of musician singer jams. Right. And I realized that I didn't know like any songs. Like I didn't know like any of these like standard, you know, just monster soul blues songs that everybody was getting up and everyone could play, everyone could sing. And so I'd always get pulled up on stage and it would be very humbling because I wouldn't really know what I was doing. Right. And Then, I mean, there were just like these women that are monster singers, like literally like the Aretha, you know, and and you're just like, oh, man, like, you know, I thought I was like super soulful in Nashville. But like, teach me your ways up here. (laughs) (laughs) I need to know what this is all about. Like, I will be your pupil. Like Good. gladly, so. Yeah, that's I'm kind following of where you to like, the
0: next bar- barbecue. What are you eating? Yeah. There? <laughs> What's the sauce? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Hey, let's play. Let's play another one. This one is appropriate. Sing me home. Here we go.
3: on vinyl little carefree child dancing around the kitchen floor whatever i hear my girl takes me back to a sweeter world guess that's what a melody's for so let the groove be the engine the words be the wheels and roll me to. I'm trying, with the heart of a lion, scratching and clawing my way It can be tough going, but it don't hurt knowing home is just a song away
0: had the pleasure of hearing that. That was a nice surprise Kim sent me last week, you know so I got the, the scoop on that, the super scoop. <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah. So well, thank um Thank you. Hey, tell me about um, you know, we're we're just we're actually out of time. We're gonna need another, another um interview, uh, Rachel, because this went way too fast. Way, way <laughs> oh, too <thank> fast.
2: You. <laughs> so
0: before we part, any funny story, any like outrageous thing ever happened to you in the studio, on stage, uh in <laughs> church, anything you wanna share that you can remember? <laughs>
3: Uh, you know,
1: I mean, I've been proposed to on stage. Oh, um, wow. So that was a that was a really fun one that was actually um out at a college town i did a college tour uh years ago and um this guy had been following me via MySpace, and uh <laughs> he decided that he was gonna Make he was gonna come space. out with a yeah he was gonna come out with a ring and i think i was like a whopping you know 19 years old at the time and i like right. what in the and you know and the whole school is there we were actually like playing like it was so weird we were like playing during their lunch yeah so like college tours are weird like they will set you up anywhere you will be standing outside the library with just like a pa system you'll be in the cafeteria like it doesn't matter and this guy just walked past like all of the students in in the cafeteria and um decided to give me the grand gesture there and and uh you know, I'm glad that I held out for the real thing. Yes, here. you did.
0: You <laughs> held out for something much better. I'm sure.
3: <laughs> I wonder what happened to him. Yeah, I don't
0: know. <laughs> he's he's still on MySpace. We'll have to check right? him out later. <laughs> I
3: hey, have to find my password somehow. <laughs> yeah,
0: I asked somebody on a, on a show recently. Is that still around MySpace, or did it become someone else's space? I think it's still out there, but I, hey, I don't
1: know. Last hey, I, give I give heard, us, like Justin Timberlake was supposed to like resurrect it a few yeah, years ago. yeah, and yeah I
0: heard that too. I never hear any traffic about it or it's never mentioned. So except on this show, I guess. Hey, <laughs> You're
1: welcome, my <laughs> Yeah,
0: there you go. Hey, give us, some, give us in parting just your website. We're going to put all your social links and everything um, on, in the show notes for this so people can pick them up and support you. But where do all the fans of Rachel Williams, Ray Williams is the new album coming out. So look for her in both places. But where can we go to support you, purchase your music, Rachel?
1: Yeah, well um my older stuff is on Spotify. It's still up on iTunes under Rachel Williams. Um and then my uh, current Facebook right now is just Facebook.com backslash Rachel Williams online. Uh, the website is rachelwilliamsonline dot com. However, like I said, because we're kind of going through this transformation of of you know releasing new music under Ray Williams, right. um the website rachelwilliamsonline.com is still valid you'll still find me when you go on there but the new website is going to be uh raywilliamsofficial.com so
0: wow um, the new motown you. queen I know, i'm excited for you this is oh, awesome
1: <laughs> yay, thank you so much for being such a support and um i'm so glad we finally were able to make this happen and that I've been able to like help bring your songs to life. I I just, I truly appreciate the love and support. So
0: yes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It was a pleasure. We'll see you soon.
4: All right. Thank you. Do you ever wonder why you were created and what you're here to do? Then the geography of the soul will help you to find your true place in this world. The music is so inspirational including tracks such as I Want to Be Loved, State of Grace and Ride On. James Kevin O'Connor is an internationally acclaimed singer, songwriter, music producer, entertainment agent, TV star and a loving father who leads you to find your true place and calms your mind and soul in breathtaking ways. Buy Geography of the Soul today by James Kevin O'Connor at iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, jameskevinoconnor.com Geography of the Soul, a beautiful CD that you need to own today by James Kevin O'Connor.
0: Sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. Writing, performing, singing, more writing, traveling back and forth between Nashville and Detroit, the Motown Motor City, Michigan. Rachel Williams is on a path of inspiration, dedication, love, and music. I think that's what it takes. You can check her out at rachelwilliamsonline.com. Hey, I want to share a song at the end of this broadcast that will be on my forthcoming album, Gratitude, that features Rachel Ray Williams singing together with me on a song called Like I'm Home also want to encourage you to visit Dharmakevolution.com Check out your show and blog profile right now. If you've been on this show, you are now on the site. Rachel's now on the site. And people from around the world are logging in to see and hear all about Rachel Ray Williams and her music. That's it for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So as promised, here's the brand-new song, Cut in the Music City. Kim Copeland producing with Rachel Ray Williams and I singing together Like I'm Home. You
3: make me feel Like I'm home A home I've never known A love I've never felt A place I've always wanted to go It was you You who got to me
0: all the things i wanted to say Just like Hemingway They flow so
3: easily Just tumble off my tongue Just like Shakespeare I have no fear